Logically, really, and Caleb, for his sins, is able to come along with me. Sometimes the history is exciting. Okay, usually it's exciting. Sometimes it's fun. More often, not. And upon occasion, the danger is so dire, I resign myself to dying in some far-off other time and place. Late in the spring, Caleb and I both came within a heartbeat of doing so. Hence the scars and the sadness, and my present feeling that after today there would be no more Caleb and me. Put us together and we become too dangerous, too fraught. This meeting was an ending. I could see this truth in his eyes, his beautiful grass-green eyes. The mess we returned to was a huge burden on our shoulders. Oh, maybe not so much for me so much, being self-employed. I don't have to lie to a boss, but Caleb, a PAC at a busy medical clinic, had to cover himself by concocting a story that sounded halfway plausible. Easier said than done, I assure you, for a time traveler. But who could possibly believe the truth? I don't blame him for being angry, for being sick of the whole bizarre situation, for being scared or not much, I don't. Although Caleb has his own magic and can zip through time independently of me, he hates it and would deny the power, can deny the power, as I cannot. He wants to work in the medical clinic and help people. He wants an ordinary life, an ordinary woman. I am not an ordinary woman. As for this time-traveling crap— as I've done before, repeatedly, I vowed never to let it happen again. Scout's honor, never again. I always bear the burden, you see, when the adventure goes wrong, even if Caleb is as much at fault as I. In the spring, if he hadn't... If I had... But there's no use going into all that again. Talk won't make one iota's worth of difference. And, although it was like cutting out part of my soul with a blunt blade... I had to let him go. He came to me now, a tray in his hands, and two coffees, and a single order of the aforementioned burger and fries. Keeping his eyes on the food, he set it out on the table, sat down, doctored his burger with catsup and mustard, and chomped a big bite. I understood. I'd nearly ruined his life, and he wasn't going to stand for it any more. He'd already invested too much time, too much worry, too much love in one such as I. Like the surgeon he almost was, he prepared to cut away the tumor named Boutonnet Irons. Oh, God. I blinked tears as if it was the sun sparkles on the river that caused them. I never cry. I'm too damn tough for that. The coffee in our cups went cold as we sat on the patio outside the little corner cafe and stared at each other. Break the silence, woman, while you can, I urged myself. Scott wants to buy me out, I said at last, stirring my coffee and watching a whirlpool form around the spoon. He says he can't take it anymore. One of us has to go, and he thinks it should be me. Can't exactly blame him, can you? He's the one left holding the bag when you disappear. His voice, cool. He dipped a curly frying catsup and poked it in his mouth, eating fast. He was on lunch break from the clinic and had to hurry back to work. Until the deal with Scott was settled, 
I had nothing much to do except walk dogs. Macduff sat up, watching Caleb eat and trying to look hungry. As a matter of fact, I do blame him, I answered. It hurts when he piles on me for something I can't help. I was born this way. Would he think it was my fault if I were a drooling idiot instead of what I am? A brief smile flashed across Caleb's face, crinkling the livid scar, my fault, beside his left eye. Knowing Scott, yes. He knows my brother pretty well. So you agree with him? You think I should get out of the business? He shrugged. It's not up to me. I set my spoon down and took a sip of my coffee, thinking of how I'd longed for a decent cup back when we were trapped in 1877. And now that I had it, I no longer cared. Caleb, on the other hand, chowed down on the fries like a starving man. Our time away had been...